In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Is I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey there. Hello, people. It's that time again. Happy Monday to you. I hope you have had a good weekend. I hope you had a good weekend. Um, and I hope you had a good week last week because here we are again. Time just seems to fly by. Before you know it, it's that time. And, and hey, I'm always glad to be on the air with you. I am. I counted a privilege to to just be able to come on the air and talk and to share and I am excited tonight because we do have a special guest tonight last week I did mention that we were planning on having a special uh, a special guest on our show uh, her name is Lisa Harris Corbett before I before I tell you about Lisa though let me just say Happy anniversary to myself, <laughs> to myself and to my wonderful husband, who is uh, my co-laborer and partner in ministry. I know you're not talking tonight, Minister Chris, but happy anniversary to you, dear. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. 13 years of wedded bliss. God is good. So, as I was saying... Our special guest is Lisa Harris Corbett, and I would I would like to tell you all that Chris and I met Lisa at a prophetic conference a few weeks ago here in the Maryland area, and um, she was used by the Lord to encourage us in a very special way. Um, the Lord gave her um, prophetic insight, and through prayer, she shared with us things that the Lord had told us years ago about our, uh, our ministry, about things that the Lord had called us to do, and she even confirmed some things that the Lord had just recently told me that I hadn't even had a chance to share with my husband uh, um, about our future in ministry, too, so... Um, 
it was just it was just a very encouraging time for us. Um, every now and then, it's just wonderful to to have confirmation of what God is doing in your life. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Lisa is a very spiritual person, and she has written a very, oh, wow, it's almost hard for me to put in the words. She has written a very, let me put it in her words, a very riveting true story of how the Lord supernaturally delivered her from debilitating child sexual abuse, physical, mental, and emotional abuse as a child and as an adult. Um, this account also tells how the author fought and overcame relentless personal attacks from witches and Satanists while living in a small rural town in the United States. Lisa, are you with me? Can you hear me? Yes, I am, Diane. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Your voice is coming in loud and clear. <laughs> great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to our show. How are you this evening? I am blessed. I'm excited about being on the show. I'm, I'm really excited about what God is doing in you all and through you all. So I'm just really blessed. Good, good. I don't think I got a chance to tell you that the words that you gave us that night were um, strong confirmation. I don't think I know mm -hmm. we talked after that, but I don't think I got a chance to tell you that, did I? No, you didn't. It's wonderful to hear that, though. <laughs> it's always nice yes. to get some confirmation, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. It is very nice to get confirmation. Amen. Mm -hmm. I know when we talked earlier today, I didn't get a chance to tell you that I usually am sipping some sort of uh, beverage on my show, and usually that's a, a tea of some kind, like a, a non-caffeinated herbal tea. Okay. And so I didn't get to invite you to, to join me. I don't know if you um, drink tea or water or... <laughs> yeah, I actually don't drink tea, but I'm currently sipping some water. Oh, okay. All right. All right, people. My, my guest is sipping her water, and I've got my gingerbread spice tea. I always share that with my listeners because some of them do like to sip tea with me. Oh, great. <laughs> so we're going to run out of time in a minute here if I'm not careful. So let's, let's, let's get into our topic for tonight. Um, maybe if we can start out having you tell the people a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your home of Trinidad. Mm -hmm. what would, what would yeah, say? well, I'm actually, um, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago, which is a Caribbean country. Um, it's situated uh, just off the coast of South America. It's the last island south. And I lived there for quite a number of years until I migrated to the United States. Um, I lived in the United States for about 26 years, and I actually, um, Diane, I know you know this, I just moved back to the country last two, actually two weeks ago. Uh, you know, God sent me back to establish some ministries here as well. And so um, in the United States, um, I'm actually an apostle, prophet, and pastor, and I have, um, you know, several ministries in the United States, and I have um, ministers and other ministries that I also oversee as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in Trinidad, um, 
I, you know, I traveled some as a child. My father was in the military, so we were overseas in, in Germany, and we were in the Philippine Islands. Um, but I, you know, I've been to Hawaii as an adult. But tell me, what are some of the what are, what are some of the nice things about Trinidad? You know, one of the really nice, I'd say the nicest thing um, about Trinidad is the people. Um, they're very warm, very friendly. Um, when you come here, you would think that it's just one big family, um, even though the island, I think people get surprised because they think that the island is really, the country is really very small, but it, it's not that small. The population is about 1.5 million, um, but it's just like a bunch of, you know, people that really are very friendly, very warm, very, very welcoming. And then another great thing is the fact that it's, um, there's tropical weather the year round, so it's it's hot the year round, um, you know, and so it, it's it's really a beautiful country, you know, physically, and the people are very warm and friendly. Okay, mm-hmm. well that sounds that sounds exciting, and it sounds like a place that I'd probably love to see. Although, um, like other places, I'm sure, um, when I read in your story, and I'm kind of jumping into an area that I wasn't thinking about at first, but when I read in your story about there was a festival that, that came, I think it was annually, yeah. and they wore the, uh, some, of, some of the older customs of these costumes that were... Yeah. Um, that kind of frightened me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little scary. Um, well, you know, it's actually called uh, the Carnival, Trinidad and Tobago Carnival. It's very popular, um, of course, in this country and also worldwide because it, different people that come from a lot of different nations, including the United States, it, it is held annually and it's actually held, uh, the actual parade um, and the dancing in the streets are actually um, the Monday and Tuesday before Ash Wednesday each year. Um, while the costumes are beautiful and, and um, it, it's a time of revelry and people just doing whatever they want, um, but there's also a, a dark side to it um, in terms of some of the costumes that um, the people wear, and I think that's what you're talking about in my book, um, where you have um, people that dress up, because they wear all these yes. different costumes. They have older costumes, they have more modern costumes as well, but the old-time carnival, which is still very prevalent in this country, Country. Um, the people dress up like devils and they paint their skins and they have horns on their heads and a fork and they, they beat a menacing drum and it was, it's really scary. And um, I experienced when I was two years old where um, a bunch of these devils, these men and women dressed or men dressed up as devils, they, they ran into our home and scared me. Um, it really released the spirit of fear in me from the age of two. Uh, so it was very devastating. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a part that's scary. <laughs> yeah, that kind of made me go, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't here, like the carnival. Think, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think too, well, at least from what I've seen, and I don't think too many people, as many people in the U.S. are as familiar with the spiritual realm if you know what I mean, like, like the demonic spiritual realm, because they don't mm-hmm. see, experience, or deal with these kinds of things. But it's very real um, in other yes, places. It is. It, it is also very real in the United States because the bulk of the attacks that I went through from demonic spirits were in the United States. Um, right. So that witchcraft is prevalent there. Um, in that country as well, 
I think mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's witchcraft around the world now. There's so many people practicing witchcraft. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, even when you look on the television, all the shows about the occult and all the things that are taking place, that's witchcraft, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Hmm. Okay, well, we've got 30 seconds before our commercial, so I am going to read a couple of lines from your book as we go into the to the music and then i'll pick that up after the break um okay this page 17 it says at an incredibly young age i began to sense that something was terribly wrong with our family one day when i was two years old daddy and i were home alone the rest of the family had gone out here come the tunes and we will be back after the break Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Liberty Christian Center, located in Box Elder, South Dakota. They are a non-denominational, Bible-based, Holy Spirit-led deliverance ministry. Pastor Charles and Romika White, Liberty Christian Center. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Tuggynet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, I'm back on the air, and this is uh, Diane with my sister in the Lord and um, a fellow survivor and an overcomer through Jesus Christ of sexual abuse as a child. Um, Lisa, I'm not sure if that was on your end or if it was somewhere in our system, but we were hearing some, some noises during the break. So if, be careful if you're moving around um, just, just because we were hearing extra sounds, okay? 
Okay, it's probably um, because I'm talking to you through um, uh, Magic Jack because I'm really sitting quite still, but um, okay. so it's probably some <laughs> that noise. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, because my husband okay. came in here and he was telling me you're moving around, and I'm saying I'm not. I'm sitting right there. I'm sitting still. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. I am too. So it, it's probably that some of that happening. Okay, well, let me pick up where I was reading from on page 17. By the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the name of the book is Sing O Baron. Sing O Baron by Lisa Harris Corbett. And I will pick up where I left off at. The rest of the family had gone out and Daddy was designated to stay at home to babysit me. We were in the kitchen and Daddy was sitting on one of the school benches watching me play. Slowly, he pulled something out of a bag he was carrying. It was a pair of black panties that he had bought me. He then took off all my clothes, put the black panties on me, and then ogled me as I innocently continued to play. Can you pick up from there and tell us what your young life was like? Um, well, it's just so much. Um, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Um, from the time that I was born, I experienced a lot of birth trauma because I almost died three times. I did not understand it at the time, but I do now because of the call on my life. Because, you know, the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. So he tried to destroy me even from birth. Um, but nevertheless, um, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. And in the home was my father, my mother, my father's mother, uh, my two siblings, and myself. I'm the last. And I was the, my father's pet. Um, he was, you know, just totally um, attached to me, uh, obsessed with me. And um, from the age of two, um, what you just read, my grandmother had um, a kindergarten in our home, actually, it was in the kitchen. And so my, uh, the rest of the, my family, they were out, and it was just my father and me. And I distinctly still remember this, even though I'm at this age. I mean, I can remember it so clearly, um, where he bought a black panty. And uh, I'm running around, you know, innocently playing and all of that. And he put this black panty on me, and he sat on one of the benches, and he began, you know, looking at me and getting sexually aroused, um, seeing me in the black panty. And he would make comments like, um, oh, you're going to look so good when you get older. And, you know, he was getting, um, you know, really you know, sexually sexually aroused. And, of course, I was too young at the time to know um, that this, you know, his behavior was inappropriate. But, you know, like I said, the memory of it has stayed with me all my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my father, you know, he, he was really a sexual deviant. Um, he had a lot of uh, sexual affairs, treated my mother. Um, there's a lot of fighting in the home between uh, my parents, my maternal grandmother and my mother my my mother actually disliked me from literally the from the day i was born because my father you know he he was so obsessed with me and so she treated me like the other woman for all all her life really so it was a constant battle in the home being physically mentally emotionally and sexually abused 
And so it went on for years. My father would drug me and rape me. And um, my mother hated me because of the situation. And she actually, you know, children learn behavior, all right? So my siblings, um, she really encouraged them and taught them to, you know, really resent me. So I grew up with that and and dealt with it um, for a very, very long time, you know? Mm-hmm. On my show, I I often ask when I have guests and they tell me things like this, you know, things like what you experience and what you live through. I often try to learn whether or not they have found out was there any sexual abuse in their perpetrator's history, in your case, in your father's history. And I would also say in your mother's history, because when a person doesn't respond properly to to knowledge of this kind of abuse, I usually believe it's because there's some abuse in their history too. So was mm-hmm. there abuse in either of your parents' background? Yeah, um, with my mother, actually. You know, when I was writing this book, um, I did a lot of research into, you know, family history, and I discovered that my mother, at a very young age, she was abused by her brother. And so she carried that with her, um, a secret with her. She only mentioned it to my brother's wife, who was sworn to secrecy. And then after she died, um, well, actually, even before she died, um, she revealed to me, that's my sister, well, that is, that my mother was um, abused by her brother and so she carried that suspicion with her of um, this sort of thing being prevalent in the family and, and then here it is it took place in our family as well with my father uh, with my father I don't know if there was a history of um, sexual abuse but what I what I what I, I really sense um, is that what I do know is that he and his mother had a very unusual relationship um, when my father's um, father died, um, and his brothers, he had two brothers, and they migrated um, to the U.S. and to England. He was left alone in the house of, with, with his mother, and she was very attached to him. And when my mother um, came into the picture and they got married, um, she treated, the way that she treated my father as though he was her lover. <laughs> so, and, and this is the thing that really got my mother really hurt and really upset. So I saw the, the bizarre behavior and between my grandmother and my father, but mm-hmm. I don't know for sure what you know what really took place. But it it was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, as as I was reading through your story, that was kind of in my mind. I'm thinking, okay, usually when this happens, there is something not right. You know, maybe in the grandmother's past, where Probably. she was this unnatural attachment, uh, uh, unnatural affection uh-huh. for, for her son, and, and then so something triggers it, you know, so something triggers it, I believe, and I believe it's also the result of a generational, you know, generational curses. These things Absolutely. are passed down, uh-huh. passed down through families, passed down through the generations. In my life, um, that's what I later found. Um, when I was, I believe, somewhere around, had to be between 13, maybe 14, I remember hearing my father crying one night. Now, this was after he had abused me, and the abuse had mm. stopped. Yes. But, but I remember him drinking and crying and telling my mother 
that he was sexually abused by an aunt of his when he was a boy. Mm. So now that I've been researching this more and since I came out with my own story, you know, that's something I like to ask my guests because I, it's almost always the case that somebody, the one who did it or the ones who don't know how to respond to it because your mother's response is so typical Mm-hmm. of a yes. lot of victims of abuse themselves. Yes. And I think that part of that is because they have never been healed of it themselves. They, exactly. and, and they've internalized it. And so, so they, they have not learned that what happened to them wasn't right. And they haven't been healed of those emotional wounds and those spiritual wounds and set free. So they can't give the proper response. All she knew is that you were, you know, you were the other woman, as you put it. Yes. You know, at two years old, let me read. Matter of fact, I think I marked a page. I marked a page because I was like, oh, my goodness. When I was reading this, (laughs) (laughs) you say on page 42, when I was older and I finally got her to talk about it, she told me that she used to see daddy go into my bedroom, lock the door, and stay in my room for a long time. My mother never confronted him about it, nor did she try to stop it. Instead, she treated me like I was the other woman. What do you say about now that you're older and you've lived life, and what do you say about her response I mean, I, do, I understand her response, and it's just what you, you said, um, because she herself went through a lot of different traumatic things in her childhood as well, they being abused by her brother and her mother dying at a very young age and um, being t- moved out of the house to live with um, one of her cousins and went through a lot of things there. Um, I understand because, you know, abuse is very much is, is cyclical. It's a cycle. It's generational. It's passed down. And so, you know, I was able to really empathize with her. I mean, I, I loved my mother dearly, and um, for quite a long time I tried to find out what the problem was with her, um, but she was in a, a lot of denial, as so many victims of, of sexual abuse are. And because she was from the old school as well, it wasn't something that you could really talk about to people. Um, I also discovered um, <laughs> that my brother was sexually abused by one of our cousins. He was being sexually abused for quite a while until he broke down one day, you know. So it's, just, it's something that happens um, a lot. It's prevalent, um, but people don't want to talk about it because of a number of reasons. But but I, I completely understand my mother's response, even though it was extremely painful, um, you know, with the emotional abuse and the physical abuse. I mean, I used to be badly beaten, beaten in my head with um, the, the handle of the broomstick and uh, of the broom and a lot of different things, you know, went through with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds, sounds like she had... Go ahead. I understand completely, but she never sought any help. Um, she was approached many times um, by her pastor about getting healed and delivered, and she would say, Look, I'm fine, because she did not want to deal with it. You know, so mm-hmm. I understand it. And that's what I, you know, one of the reasons that I do this show is because I see a lot of women even, um, well, wow, we're coming up on a break already. We got like probably five seconds, so I know I'm not going to okay. get this out. 
I'll I'll talk to you between the commercial. <laughs> okay, sure. All right. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones, and we'll be right back after these. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. the saints ministries our mission is to equip and mature the people god calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness and to create soldiers for the army of the lord and to impact our communities if you are not local you may participate via conference calls or we can make information available to you via email Equipping the Saints Ministries is home-based in Maryland. You may write to us at Post Office Box 1616, Clinton, Maryland, 20735, or email us at vir2us1 at verizon.net. Thank God I am Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, we're back on the air. This is Minister Diane Jones, and this is Apostle and Prophetess Lisa Corbett. And just before the break, I was getting ready to comment on the fact that I have encountered so many women in ministry who are Christians or professing Christians, and they have been abused but they did not, have not wanted to deal with their abuse. And therefore, I see them continue to live in defeat and continue to live as victims and continue, you know, they, they cannot reach their full potential in mm-hmm. Christ. And so you were saying, I think, something um, along those lines. Yes, I, I was. Um 
the problem, just as you were saying, there, there's so many women that I've encountered um, in, in many countries, because I travel to different countries in the world to minister as well, and there's so many women um, that have been abused. Men, too, have encountered a lot of men, but it's, it's kind of a, a taboo topic for them to talk about it, because uh, when, when you're abused, it's usually by a family member, and so you're afraid mm-hmm. to speak about the abuse because of the repercussions that you will experience um, from family members, and and that's what I went through. Um, When I started writing my book, um, my family was quite aware of, they knew everything that I went through, they knew that I was writing the book. Um, all, all, every step of the way, um, they knew what the content was going to be. They were all for it. Um, but the crunch came. Um, even when I published the book, before I really got uh, all the copies distributed to the bookstores and to Amazon.com, um, I had them read the book. They were fine. And then um, it opened up a lot of doors for radio and television interviews and, and uh, expanded ministries, and they were all fine with it until they, um, I did a, a new newspaper interview that's in Trinidad and I was on the front page of the Sunday newspaper which I, I had you know a lot of had a greater audience than some of the um, other areas of the media that I was in and so they got really upset because people began to call and said oh I didn't know that your father did that to your sister and and they were really angry with me and they're still pretty angry with me I still have quite a few of them that don't speak to me um, and they've been very hostile to me and this is what a lot of abuse victims go through so because of that fear, because they think that you're breaking up the family, they want to keep everything secret. Um, they said to me that I was, um, you know, abusing the, the um, reputation. I was destroying the reputation of my parents. Um, my parents actually died five years ago, six or f- five or six years ago, three months apart. Uh, they were separated for several years before that. Um, but um, this was the timing that God released me to write the book, which was two years ago. So they con- they were concerned about that. They were very angry with me. And what happens is that you become re-victimized when you um, begin to tell your story. <laughs> uh, you become a victim all over again. And it, it's a little scary. Um, but the great thing about it is that, you know, um, I've had so many women that have come forth and said, look, I've been through this as pastor's wives. Um, that have shared their testimonies, that they should come called and say, look, I need help. You know, I've been abused by my husband. I've, you know, a lot of different things that they've gone through and they, they've read the book. People who've read the book said they read it in one night and they didn't know um, that there was somebody else out there that went through some of the things that I went through, um, which were really pretty horrendous. There's so many other things, um, you know, in that book that I went through, but I, I thank God. Um, that he had a purpose for my life and for delivering me so that I can now, you know, go ahead and minister to people who have been through what I've been through. Well, see, you touched, yeah, there's so much in what you just said because last week, the last two weeks, we were talking on the show about hostility versus sympathy when mm-hmm. people do finally come forward and begin to expose the abuse that has happened to them. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. times they are met with hostility. Yes. Which is what you just described instead mm-hmm. of sympathy and mm-hmm. and like you said re-victimization all over again so yes. I spent some considerable amount of time talking about that because I wanted I want people to know ahead of time they probably already know that that's that's going to happen to an extent but my story is almost identical to yours mm-hmm 
where some people in my family were aware of it. Even when I was a teenager, very few people were aware of it. But when I was of age to, to tell it for real, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, was, I was no good. I was, yes. I, I was trash. You came out of the gutter like your father. Um, mm -hmm. you're, no, you're no good. Whenever, it was used against me whenever there was an opportunity to hurt me or to yes. you know, pay me back for something because I, because I was withdrawn. Uh, yes. I should say I was more of a withdrawn person than I am now. Now I'm, now I'm able to speak and talk and you know, speak up for myself. But then I was a real quiet person. I was a real quiet mm -hmm. person. So people didn't understand my peculiar ways. You know, yes. they, they, they didn't understand why, <laughs> why, yes. why I did certain things and why I wasn't just open and, and bubbly and whatnot. But oh my goodness, I think it's so important to tell people that they are not destroying the family. The family was already destroyed. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I understand the response of family members and close friends. It's very typical because people, um, they, they go into denial because they don't want to believe um, that your father or an uncle or whoever it is could have done that to you. And mm -hmm. so they go into denial and they get angry with the victim rather mm -hmm. than the, uh, the perpetrator of the abuse. Mm -hmm. um, so um, you you made to feel like you're guilty, that you're dirty, that you're the one that caused it. You know, and it's, it's something that's so typical that a lot of abuse victims go through. Um, but what I could say for me is that, you know, I was, I'm so glad that I got to tell my story uh, because it's very liberating um, and because of the fruit that came out of it with the number of women that have been set free, have been healed and have been delivered, you know, because mm -hmm. of, of me writing this book. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, there's so much that I would love to cover. Um, I remember reading that you were really struggling even after you became a Christian. There was a yes. period of time where it seemed like what I call the honeymoon phase of, of, yes. your, of your walk. You know, where yes. things are wonderful and you're feeling wonderful and you're feeling good, but then... After a little while, you start to feel the sadness and you start to feel the depression and the reality of your real life mm -hmm. still, yes. is, it kicks in and, and you try to talk to people about it. You talk to people in your church even. Um, I remember in particular mm -hmm. one lady that, that you were saying, <laughs> I, I feel depressed. Yes. I'm depressed. <laughs> and she's saying, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Right, yes, yes. That, that's, that's so real because um, from the age, at the age of 16, I suffered my first nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. And it would come upon me from different times, you know, I would have to be sedated with morphine or you know, different things. And I would, would cry uncontrollably and ask, you know, my family members, do you love me? I just wanted somebody to hug me. And they would laugh. And, you know, so, you know, no, we're not going to hug you. You know, shut up, you know, this sort of thing. And so when I got saved, I got saved up when I was 18 years old. And I, it was the first time I had ever heard the gospel. And, uh, but, you know, prior to that, even as a child, I was aware of the presence of God. Um, but I got saved, and as you said, there was a honeymoon period for like about six months. Um, but because I suffered, I used to suffer, like I said, the nervous breakdown and suffer with, with serious depression, um, that after the six months of the euphoria, <laughs> sort of um, left, 
and the reality, the depression came back because I was not delivered and really healed and set free. Um, I did go to, you know, people in the church and different people, and I said, you know, there's something wrong with me, and they would say, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, this one particular um, lady um, in the church, I said to her, um, what are you doing? You're depressed. I'm depressed. And she said, but you shouldn't be. And I said, but, but I'm depressed. And she kept saying, but you shouldn't be. And we went back and forth, and I said, but I am depression, but you shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. that really was was uh, it was hard for me um, because I went like that for so long, um, not getting any help. Um, at the age of, of 24, um, you know, my father, he would beat me if I had a boyfriend. He beat me really bad. I mean, beat, cuffed, and, you know, socked in the mouth and kicked in the mm-hmm. groin and, and, and so many different things that he did to me. And um, I tried to kill myself, even as a Christian. You know, I tried to kill myself. Um, but thank God I'm still here because God had a purpose for my life. You know, and so um, I finally had to go through actual deliverance. Um, where because what happens is that when you go through incest, you, you know, the enemy. There's a lot of demonic spirits that that. That be, um, begin to harass you, so that those strongholds had to be broken off. I had to be healed. I had to um, falling fall in love with the Lord. I had a head knowledge that He loved me, but not a heart knowledge. And mm-hmm. so I would cry to the Lord and say, "I want to know you as Daddy." Because what happens is that when you've been abused, especially by your father, you have a hard time relating to God as Daddy. And so I went through a lot of ups and downs, bad relationships, um, looking for love in all the wrong places, having sex, and, and, and all sorts of different things, a failed marriage, um, went into another, into an abused, abusive um, marriage, very abusive marriage um, as well, and literally had to escape with <laughs> for my life until, um, you know, I really, you know, was really completely set free um, from, from all that I went through and had to forgive. You have to forgive the person too, um, the, well, the people that have hurt you, which is what, mm-hmm. you know, which what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, before we before we get to how that deliverance came about, I remember reading that at at one stage in your early um, college years, you finally decided. Um, well, you were studying psychology, if I remember right. You were studying psychology, yes. but then you also decided to seek therapy yourself. Yes. Um, yes, I. Yes, I did. <laughs> Go ahead. The, the music will cut you off, but we'll come back okay. in after the music. Okay. Yeah, I started, I did psychology. I also did a second um, major in communications, but I wanted to know what was wrong with me. That's the reason I did the psychology and what was wrong with my family. And then I went through therapy, um, but it was kind of short-lived because I didn't really have the funds to continue it. So the process became it was just me and the Lord, and, you know, God would send different people into my life at different times to... There we go. Yeah, <laughs> hold that okay. thought. Hold that All thought. Right. <laughs> we'll be back with Miss sure. Lisa Harris Corbett after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, abuse, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. 
It is a story for those who have loved and been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived abuse, molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may see or find themselves in Diane Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of the story of me online at www.authorhouse.com or any of the major bookstores. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Thank God I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. back on the air oh good 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 I, I barely heard the music it says we are back <laughs> we are back I you know I almost don't want to use the word enjoy when you talk about this type of a, a topic but I'm enjoying this this um, interview with Lisa because there are so many similarities even in my own life and even after you know I've been doing this for a while it still helps me to even know that I wasn't the only one. And what I experienced, you know, with my family, um, how even I even let my siblings read my manuscript before it was published and they were all fine. <laughs> the ones that I felt really, you know, should know and I, what, was, what was going on before I published it, they, they were fine with it. They didn't express any negatives. But when it got 
more attention. Just mm-hmm. like you said, when it got more attention, it had, it had been published. It had been out for a good year. But when it started getting more attention and other people in the extended family started hearing about it, whoa. Talk about yeah. a blow up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you were getting ready to tell us, or you were you were telling us how you you had short term therapy. Yes. But um, the funds weren't; it wasn't financially feasible for you to continue. So, how did deliverance, as we call it, how did that? Yes. All right. So the short term uh, therapy was while I was in college um, in New York. And, you know, as I said, um, funds, you know, being a student, the funds were pretty limited. And so um, when I graduated, I returned to Trinidad for about four years. And um, during that time, I, you know, I, I knew that something was wrong. I'm still seeking help. I'm saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm withdrawn. I'm I'm in pain. I'm crying you know, a lot and trying to have a relationship with my mother, being still being rejected by her really, really bad and, and all that. And so I went to my pastor and... Um, um, he, um, God began to show him that Christians need deliverance, which is is a topic that a lot of people um, oppose. But we but we do need deliverance because of the things that we go through and because of the nature of the battle that we're in. And so um, I went through an actual deliverance where uh, my pastor and other ministers they began to speak into the things in my life, like spirits of incest and rejection and rape. Um, and murder and um, suicide, and they began to command those spirits that were, you know, oppressing me to leave. And um, so that's what happened. They began to leave, and I, I remember I began, you know, screaming and 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 um, a lot of different things happened. But I, and it took it took a couple of weeks, and um, I felt such a, a lightness, um, a relief from that. But you still have to go through counseling as well, and you also have to walk in that deliverance because the healing and the deliverance is a process because there's so many triggers, things that trigger um, the, the, the rape and the abuse that you've been through. And so it was, there were periods of, you know, being okay and then not being okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so it went on until I really began to develop an intimate relationship with the Lord and uh, as daddy. And um, so, so my breakthrough came it it was years it was a lot of years i would say of of, of going through this um pain of, and rejection and hurt and um you know, you know all of that but, but the great thing about it is that through it the lord said to me he said i'm going to use what you've been through to minister to hurting hurting women um, he told me, you're going to feel their pain, which is what but I do. I can feel women's pain and what they're going through. And um, he asked me, the Lord asked me if I would be willing to go through this to minister to these women. And I said, yes. And I thought, well, it couldn't get any worse than what I had gone through before. But even after being healed and delivered, I went through so much more, you know, mm-hmm. um, as in preparation for the ministry you know, that God called me to, so. See, yeah, because, you know, the deliverance process, you know, that's, I dedicated a chapter to that in my book about deliverance and so mm-hmm. that people will understand that it is a process, mm-hmm. that salvation is the beginning, you know, accepting Christ is like, that's the beginning, you and, yeah. and becoming born again, but deliverance is a process, and mm-hmm. it's something that you have to walk through, 
And I have found, you know, I grew up in the church and then I had a period like you where I, where I was disillusioned and my faith was shot and I became angry with the Lord because of all the traumas that had happened in my life, including a divorce and, you know, so many similarities. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I found that I couldn't get what I needed at, in church either. Um, People had pat answers for things yes. and oh just you know mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you'll be fine or just uh-huh. oh, just pray about it but they didn't really want to talk about it they didn't really right. want to let me to talk about it uh no one seemed equipped right and so i think it's time for us to equip people mm-hmm. that's um mm-hmm. actually our ministry is called equipping the saints ministries and i think it's time for us to equip people mm, yes in ministry to deal with the truth. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The realities of people's lives. The Lord did it. You know, he, he cast out devils, he healed, and he preached the gospel and, you know, ministered in the, in the word. But he did all of it. So that kind of leads us to talking about what the Lord is doing through you, how he's using your testimony, um, there are several ministries that you have, that he has used you to birth. Yes. Tell us about some of the things that, um, you know, he's doing in you and, and through you. Okay, so, you know, coming out of all of this, um, I, you know, I realized that the call on my life, I mean, I, I had known several years ago, many, many years ago, that I was called to be a prophet, that I was, you know, I was unfunctioning in that office, but out of that, um, God revealed um, the apostleship, the office of the apostle on my life, and the pastor, and so um, I have several ministries. Um, one is called Releasing His Glory Ministries, which is actually an evangelistic ministry where we travel to different nations to minister, um, to train and equip um, fivefold ministers, pastors, apostles, prophets, um, teachers, evangelists, and other Christians. And um, it's a it's a ministry as well that goes into these different nations, um, especially nations that are like real you know impoverished nations to train and equip and to to bring food and and um, to bring healing and bring deliverance. Um, the other one is called the Glory School, which is really the training and equipping arm. It's a ministry school, and um, again training and equipping um, men and women in the body of Christ because. My my concern, of course, as, as an apostle, is that so many people sit in church and they, you know, the church has become fat, you know, spiritually fat. We've got to go out and um, begin to bring in the harvest. And so that has, there has to be a training and equipping that must take place. Um, the women's ministry is called Broken But Not Destroyed, and it's for women um, that have been broken, they have been abused, they have been put down, they have been ridiculed, they have been told they're not going to make it, um, that they're stupid, they're ugly, they're too fat, whatever it is, being sexually and, and mentally abused. And um, it is to equip them to go forth, because God is really raising up an army 
of women in this season that are going to move forth and are going to really do a great, great work in the kingdom of God. Uh, the church is called Glory Tabernacle Worship Center, and it's, it's basically a worship center. It was located in Maryland, um, but uh, as I just moved back to Trinidad, um, it's going to be here um, in Trinidad as well. I'm planting that church here right now um, in Trinidad, and it's a worship center patterned after um, the Davidic Tabernacle where there was worship 24 hours of the day, 24-7. So um, that's basically basically it, in a quick quick nutshell. Uh-huh. Well, we we've only got a few minutes left. Um, tell people how they can get your book. Uh-huh. Um, if if you're open to anybody contacting you for ministry, tell them how they can do that. And then if so, we have any time left, we'll chat about a few little things. All right. The book again is called Sing O Baron. It's available on Amazon.com. I am aware that there's some other books by that title, but you would need to look for the one that says it's by Lisa Harris Corbett, and Corbett is spelled C-O-R-B-I-T-T. It's on Amazon.com. They can purchase the book online. Uh, if anyone wants to con- contact me for ministry to, to, uh, to come and minister their church or event, um, you can actually email me at L-A-S-N-Apple Corbett, C-O-R-B-I-T-T at gmail.com. Again, that's L-A as in Apple, Corbett, C-O-R-B-I-T-T at gmail.com. Okay. That Mm -hmm. was, I wanted to make sure we got that out before we ran out of time. Uh Maybe, do you have, uh, can you think of a short testimony of someone perhaps in your broken but not destroyed ministry that, that, um, Oh man, that you were able to help with forty yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah. There's one person I could I could tell because you know um, she's one of my spiritual daughters. Um, she was her mother was raped and she was a product of that rape, and um, she's been delivered and set free through the ministry. She's now an ordained minister and she's an author. She's writing her story and she's just really excelling in the things of God. Good. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> there are those who have been broken but not destroyed. Through Christ, we can do all things. People, if this is your story, if you have been abused, God is able to turn your life around. He is able to give you back what the enemy stole from you. Be encouraged. Know that Jesus loves you. Have a good night. 